0: Hey, thanks for being here. One of the most important topics we talk about here on the show is education. And joining us right now is the Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tom Horn. Mr. Horn, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate your having me, and I'm always available to you, even on short notice.
0: Well, uh, let's talk about uh, your relationship with the governor's office. The governor seems to be taking a bit of a different direction than our previous governor as far as education. And the focus goes, are you going to be able to have a working relationship with her? And how does your office differ from hers? And what can you do outside of her purview?
1: Well, um, I arranged a meeting with the governor before, before she took office, and my, my message was that uh, we have a common interest, uh, if our schools improve, it's good for her and it's good for me. And if they don't improve, it's bad for her and it's bad for me. So we have a lot of conference, uh, common interest to work together to improve the schools as much as we can because they're in a in a grim state right now with two thirds of students not proficient in math and sixty percent not proficient in reading. That's a terrible situation. We've got to bring the learning up. We've got to bring the um, we've got to bring the test scores up. And uh, uh, so we need the governor and I need to work. Together Together on that, and I have a lot of experience with that. Uh, the last time I served as superintendent for eight years, Janet Napolitano was the governor. She was a Democrat, and we worked together. Uh, for example, her first initiative was all-day kindergarten. I thought that was a good idea, so we went down together, made it a bipartisan proposal. We got Republican votes, and it passed. So I have experience working with a Democrat governor. And to the extent that we can, we need to cooperate. Obviously, does not mean we agree on everything, and um, and there will be disagreements. But the, but the main thrust is we need to work together because the task is to improve education in Arizona.
0: What will be the focus shift from your time in office, from your predecessor? How will you take the Department of Education in a different direction, and what do you hope to happen from that?
1: Yes, uh, th- there's a major shift in direction, and that is, academic, uh, academic focus. Uh, you know, those low test scores sometimes are blamed on COVID, but they were bad before COVID. Uh, uh, the numbers at that time were proficiency were 41% and 41%. So we still had almost 60% of the kids not proficient in math or reading even before COVID. Uh, and I believe this was due to a lack of focus on academics and, and a contrary focus on distractions uh, such as critical race theory, social-emotional learning, uh, I- improper sexual discussions at school. We want to eliminate all those distractions and make sure that the teachers are teaching the academics. The teachers are supposed to teach academics. Uh, it's unprofessional for a teacher to use a captive audience to push that teacher's personal uh, political Philosophy, and um, and and so, and I will tell you this: my heroes are math teachers who love math, history teachers who love history, and so on. They want to teach their subjects bell to bell because they love their subjects. A number of them have complained to me that they haven't been able to do that because uh, they're forced to do uh, distractions during class period, uh, including what they describe as playing dumb games as part of social emotional learning. We have to get rid of all those distractions. We have to get the emphasis back on academics. And that is the number one difference uh, that that we're going to have with our new administration.
0: Superintendent of Public Instruction Tom Horn is joining us. Um, When you uh, look at the expansion of school choice here in Arizona, do you think it hurts public education, helps public education, or doesn't affect public education?
1: Uh, My view is it helps uh, public education, and that's coming from somebody who served 24 years on uh, the uh, school board for the the state's then third largest district, 10 years as its president. So I've been very immersed in in public education. But I think competition is good for everyone. That's the reason the United States is prosperous and the Soviet Union was not prosperous, because we had competition and they had a government monopoly. And when people compete. They all strive to do better. When you have a monopoly, um, as some Polish workers were quoted as saying, uh, we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. Um, so I think competition helps everyone. And if you have time, I can give you an example if you want. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, when I was serving on the school board, the Teachers Association proposed uh, that we that we shut down advanced placement courses uh, where they didn't have a full full student count in the class because not enough students qualified and they said that was inefficient and they wanted to use the money for other things and I said to them, if you do that you'll lose all your best students to the charter schools and that ended the discussion they never raised that issue again so that's a good example of how having to compete causes school to do better uh, some, you know, we're hearing people fearful that that the, the vouchers will take students away from uh, the district schools they don't want that. In order to prevent that they're going to have to do a better job of focusing on academics and producing results and that's really good for everyone.
0: How do you address the teacher shortage? What would be the best way to retain the teachers you have that are excellent teachers and to recruit excellent teachers so that classroom sizes are down and you have a full staff in all of the districts across Arizona?
1: That's an excellent question, Mike. Um, Actually, when when teachers leave the profession, they're surveyed. And the first reason they give for leaving is not salaries. That's number two. Number one is lack of support from administrators, especially on student discipline. Um, And that's another big change that you're going to see. Under under the doctrine of social emotional learning, discipline was discouraged because it could hurt the kids' feelings. My belief is you cannot have learning unless you have an orderly classroom. And so um, uh, when I served uh, for 24 years on that school board, we never re- reversed a teacher once on an issue of discipline, not once. Learning came up, test scores came up because the classrooms were orderly and the kids were able to learn. You cannot have good education if you don't have uh, a, an orderly classroom. If, if kids are able to interfere with other kids' learning, without consequence that brings test scores down and so we're going to we're going to have a big change on that and that's not only good for the performance of the kids but it's much better for the working atmosphere for the teachers because teachers don't want to continue teaching if 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 they have disorderly classrooms and the administrator the administration won't discipline the kids to discourage that, and I'd be the same way I'd want to leave if that if I were put in that situation. Um, we need to have orderly classrooms so the kids can learn, and so the teachers have a good working environment
0: and finally, sir, um, the summer camps that the previous governor put in place last year that they said was very successful do you agree there was some se- success in that, and will those continue if you have a choice in it?
1: I totally agree. And um, I think this, it gets to a big issue, which is I'm opposed to social promotion. I don't think students should go from one grade to the next if they haven't learned anything. And, and we have that problem. My high school teachers are telling me they've had students come in that got all F's in middle school and still got passed on. And when they talk to the students about it, they say, well, that was just middle school. That didn't count. Uh, that That needs to change. And summer school is a good way to deal with that. Because with summer remediation, you can avoid having to hold students back and you can still have a requirement that students learn the material before they go on.
0: It is always great to talk with you. I look forward to talking to you as your term goes on. I want to find out the changes and how they're going and see if we're seeing improvements. So I hope you'll come back soon.
1: Mike, thank you, and as I said in the beginning, I'm always available to you. Even if it's on short notice, I'll drop whatever else I'm doing, and I'll, and I'll come on the phone with you.
0: I appreciate that, sir. All right. That thank is, you so much. That is Tom Horn. He is the superintendent of public instruction for the second time, uh, talking about changes in the office and what he believes will lead to better education in public schools. Uh, coming up here in just a moment, we are going to talk about the economy. Has inflation reduced? Are people seeing lower prices? Is relief on the horizon? All of that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. Let's talk about the economy. Uh, There are some issues, obviously, going on with the economy. Lower inflation. We're going to talk about that. This is an ABC News report talking about the lowering of inflation. But is it going fast enough? It's sort of like watching paint dry, right? I mean, it's so painfully slow that we're seeing these consumer prices pull back. I think Americans would be hard-pressed to actually feel any relief, except when it comes to energy. And that's a big reason why we're seeing a pullback in these prices. Gas prices down nine point. 4% month over month. All right, so here are the price changes over last year a year over year report. This is from the Cpi the Consumer price index fuel oil is up forty one and a half percent transportation up nineteen point three percent and fourteen point six for electricity fourteen point three for food at home eleven point eight for food away from home eight point three for shelter seven and a half percent overall consumer price index increase six and a half for new cars five point nine for medical care four point one for gasoline um, uh, I'm sorry, for medical care and then gasoline down one and a half percent, used cars down eight and a half percent. So we are still seeing very high prices year over year. Are we going to see relief in 2023? These numbers all play a role. It's not just the politics of talking about these numbers. The reality for people is they are still seeing increased prices. What is happening with the slowing of those increases is also the slowing of hiring. We know that the softening of wage increases, the softening of hiring, which means people are not able to find the extra work necessary to keep up with the high costs which is going to you know fall faster that's always the question uh, the other part of the reality of this for people is when you look at what is coming in the future, the consumer confidence that's happening, people don't have as much confidence as they've had in years past. People are very concerned about 2023 from a public safety standpoint, from a political standpoint, from an economic standpoint, which gives people issue, gives them reason to pause, which makes them pull back a little bit. Um, So it's not it's not always doom and gloom. And I guess maybe this is the part of it that I should explain more often. Um, older as I am I, we've seen all kinds of things happen in the economy the American economy flourishes and comes back I don't believe this is the end of America I believe there's going to be tough times for people and this is where if you're really concerned about the working class then think about the working class I want you to think about the time in your life maybe you're there right now but the people that live close to paycheck to paycheck the people that make ends meet at the end, and it's on a month to month basis making sure payday is this day this is the day we pay this bill. We make sure these things happen. If you're fortunate, you're able to either have a credit card or you have money set aside for an emergency. If that doesn't happen, it's a really dangerous time for people because you are one kind of tragedy, a broken air conditioner, a flat tire, a transmission issue, one big issue away from financial ruin. And that is what makes it tough, especially when we've seen families flourish over the last few years. And now we're seeing families really struggle. We have seen an uptick what is it, a 23% uptick in, in homelessness in Maricopa County or in Arizona uh, over the last two years. Well, housing is a big issue. That's a big part of it as well. And, and it isn't just the extremes. It isn't that you have wealth or you have homelessness. There is such a spectrum in between there of need in people. We talked considerably toward the end of the year, and we're going to continue to talk about this because the problem didn't go away with the holidays. When we talked to the people at St. Mary's Food Bank, when we talked to the people at St. Vincent de Paul United Food Bank and others around where they are talking about still having extremely high need month over month a growing need I believe the statistic and I don't know it for sure I'll reach out and find out if I'm wrong on this number St. Mary's Food Bank gave out 18,000 turkeys the week of Thanksgiving Monday through Wednesday 18,000 So we know that the need is still great. So the economy in America may be doing better. I hope it is. I hope it's on the mend. But it is not happening quickly enough for people. And what we are seeing with this slowing down of the economy is the softening of the job market. The one bright spot has been hardworking people can continue to find work, whether it's an extra job or two sometimes to make ends meet, side hustles, whatever it is to make ends meet for their families. If those jobs begin to dry up faster than prices come down, you're going to see really desperation in people, and the, the goal is to stay away from all of that. Um, coming up in a moment, an interesting story. Border authorities um, are talking about uh, uh, pursuit policy when they are pursuing people that are human smugglers. They are changing their pursuit policy. What will this do to pursuits? Will it make it safer, or is this going to embolden the traffickers? We'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. A big thank you for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Great conversations. We're going to reset a little bit later on this morning. We talked this morning um, early with the Speaker of the House and the State Legislature, Ben Toma, about the future of Arizona, priorities for the State Legislature. And then we spoke with Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tom Horn. We're going to reset that interview a little bit later in the show as well. So here are the direction he wants to take in educating people in public schools across the state. Right now, I want to talk about pursuit policies. This is a story that you can find over on KTAR.com, Albuquerque, New Mexico, U.S. border authorities announced changes to their policy for pursuing smugglers and other crime suspects on Wednesday following an extensive review of, and criticism by immigrant advocates who pointed to cases in which passengers died when drivers fled law enforcement. This is a very dicey situation, and I'll explain why. Uh, I think most people understand it instinctively. But when criminals know, is my opinion. When criminals know that if they run, they're not going to be chased, they're more likely to run. So there's an element of that in there. But you also have to fact factor in, and this is what law enforcement's job is, is how important is it for to catch that person right now? Uh, do they pose an immediate threat to themselves or to other people? Are people's lives in danger? The reason why is police officers are very well trained in driving at high speeds and driving in traffic. They train for it very, very often. They train for it and retrain for it throughout their careers. The average driver is not. We may drive fast on the freeway. There is a difference. Between driving fast on the freeway and driving evasively, making sudden lane changes, making sudden turns, braking very quickly, it becomes very dangerous. And again, I've talked about the tunnel vision aspect of things. Um, Police officers are trained, and they train themselves, and they're trained over and over again to not become tunnel visioned, whether it's a high-speed chase in a vehicle or it's a foot chase or otherwise. If you have a weapon out, you get tunnel visioned on your target. You get tunnel visioned on the person you're chasing. By nature, you're laser focused, which means your peripheral vision closes in and you don't see what's going on around you. Police officers train extensively that when that adrenaline rushes up, that they are still looking in their peripheral vision. They are still looking side to side, oncoming traffic, pedestrians, dangerous things, looking ahead, making themselves safe to make sure that this erratic driver in front of them, if they do something dumb, that the cop is not caught up in the crash. And also, they don't want that person to act so erratically that they cause a crash because they're an untrained driver. I mean, all that is understood by people. The issue is now if they're making a public statement about changes to their pursuit policy. Well, criminals are not dumb. We, we don't necessarily, you can't equate criminal behavior with stupid all the time. There are plenty of times where criminals just do dumb things. But there are many times, especially in these syndicates, these cartels, they're very Sophisticated. And if they know. I'll, uh, I'll give you another example. Knowing the way the police had responded in years past, drug dealers on the streets of America used to use minors to mule their drugs around town. They, if they were a drug dealer on the street corner, they would have a kid hold their drugs. Why? They know that if a kid gets arrested, that kid's going to get a slap on the wrist five or six or seven times by the justice system before they do any serious jail time. Where if you're an adult, it's a different when it's an adult charge versus a charging a minor. Um, so that was a very common common practice, young kids that were stealing cars for, uh, there was a club at home, I'm sure they're all over the country, the GTA Club, the Grand Theft Auto Club, kids understanding under the age of 15, 14, 15 years old, joyriding in cars, that knowing how the law operates, and they do know how the law operates, that if caught, the chances are it's going to be a slap on the wrist multiple times before you see serious jail time, that once you become an adult, it's an adult crime. Well, much like this, the traffickers understand that if the Border Patrol or CBP or ICE, if the federal agencies change their policy to say if you run, they will not chase under certain circumstances, you're more likely to see people run. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. I'm acknowledging that that is exactly what's going to happen. It's all risk and reward. Why would you pull over? When you've got one vehicle trying to stop you on a dark road at night, when you can floor it and do 100 miles an hour, and chances are, unless they get permission to continue the chase, you're going to go free at least for the short term. And so they have to balance this. Because we understand drug smugglers. There's a there's a high violence record with those high violence rate in those situations. They carry guns. They carry high powered guns. It is a very dangerous business, not just from law enforcement, but from rival drug gangs. They're usually armed to the teeth. So it is it's not a simple solution at the same time, recognizing that what's ended up happening in many of these cases, innocent people just driving along or walking along the street are being injured or killed because irresponsible people that don't know how to drive at high speeds, trying to get away and being selfish are causing deadly crashes. So um The Customs and Border Protection announced these changes Wednesday. The agency said the updated directive provides a framework for weighing the risk of a pursuit against the law enforcement benefit or need. They said it reviewed more than two dozen vehicle pursuit policies from various enforcement agencies across the U.S. to come up with this new policy. Here is a quote from the agency. As a professional law enforcement organization, CBP is continually updating policy to reflect best practices, public safety needs, and evolving public expectation. That was the acting commissioner, Troy Miller, made in this statement. Um, He went on to say that the safety of officers, agents, and the public are paramount as we carry out our mission. So is this going to hinder law enforcement? I will say sure it is. I don't think there's any doubt that it is going to hinder enforcement because it's one more tool that can be employed or at least one more advantage that can be employed by the criminal element. The other side of this, I think, possibly, is – Stricter penalties for running from the police. What we've done in Arizona with a misdemeanor like a DUI. Now, it's considered to be a very and it is a very serious crime getting a DUI. Um, It's tragic what's happened at the hands of drunk drivers, but it is still a misdemeanor on the books. But there are there are many things in Arizona and across the country that they've changed in the rules to make it tougher. If you refuse to take a breathalyzer test, if you refuse those tests, your license is automatically suspended for a year. You Sign on to that when you get a driver's license in many places. So you can refuse a breathalyzer, but if you do, you automatically lose your license for a year. Minimum mandatories and punishments, and then levels of, of, of alcohol content, uh, ranges, you know, ramps it up to an extreme DUI and things of that nature. Maybe in these cases, that people that run from the police have something that's added on to the criminal charges with some real teeth in it. That if you run from the police when you're caught and when you're convicted there's going to be some serious penalties for running maybe that offsets some of this that they know now the risk isn't worth it because eventually you're going to get caught and when you get caught there's going to be severe punishment i don't know it's just something to think about but um it's 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 it is it is unleveling the playing field as the criminals know that they're more likely to get away In a moment, um, well, this didn't take very long, with the argument about gas ovens. I'm going to tell you what the federal agency that regulates it has to say about it. We'll get to it coming up here in just a moment. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Had a little fun with this yesterday. Um, New study out said possibly, possibly, kids, 13% of asthma cases for kids are being caused by gas stoves. Um, America Gas Association says possible gan- ban on gas stoves is reckless. No base on sound science. Uh, White House says Biden does not support banning gas stoves. Um, um, so here's another one. Electric appliance advocates back the study driving to push gas stoves. And finally, this headline. Consumer Product Safety Commission Chairman Alex Sarek said on Wednesday that the regulatory agency has no plan to prohibit national ga- natural gas stoves stoves after one of his colleagues hinted that a ban could be possible. It's one of those stories that just catches fire, no pun intended, that everybody hears something about and they run with it and they scream from the rooftops. So, listen, I am all about environmentalism in the in the common sense way. We all want clean air, we all want clean water, we all want water that lasts forever. You know, we want that renewable resource, we want to do the things we can. The absurdity of these things will which is what makes me laugh, that when someone reads a report that this could be happening, they automatically assume it's true. And you've got the, uh, the governor of New York talking about having no combustible, no, um, uh, what, are they, what did she call them, fossil heaters, heating units, whatever it is, if it burns fossil fuels, they want them out of New York in five years. I want you to think about that in five years. So it is. It, it is the absurdity of jumping on whatever you hear that tickles your ears. And uh, uh, listen, there is a there is a happy medium when it comes to things like this. We all want. We all get outraged when we see people litter. At least I do. I think it's a horrible thing to do. If you're polluting or if you're littering, I think it's a horrible thing. The idea that the natural gas burning stove that have been around for decades, decades, is now the cause of these problems is hilarious. It's just another part of the, I think, the politics of environmentalism. I think they defeat their own cause. Every They're the only ones that are concerned about the environment. We have these ridiculous rules in our forests that cause the forest fires that happen to be much worse worse than they need to be, because you can't cut out the underbrush, you can't thin the forest so that you can get to the fires when they happen. There's all of these things that we've talked about, and it's one of the things that I hope becomes more of a topic. When you go to northern Arizona, and this is a great case study, I've talked about this many times because I saw it with my own eyes, um my introduction to the horrors of forest fires in arizona were the rodeo and chedis guy fires that happened up in sholo and up around you know going into the white mountains in arizona and it really was that feared that it would take over the town of sholo and the fires were going up through heber and Overgard, and and the damage was horrifying um and then you go up to the tribal land where the Apaches are, and they don't have to abide by federal regulations on thinning of the forest or otherwise. They cut in fire trails. They take away the underbrush, the fuel on the floor of the forest that that fuels these fires. They cut in fire trails, so if there is a fire, they can get to it. The game animals are as rich on the Apache land as they are anywhere else in Arizona. They the fire looked like it danced right around the Apache land because they were able to do what they did, and for some reason, And U.S. regulation hasn't caught up in U.S. in the U.S. the idea that if you cut the underbrush or some of the old growth or thin the forest that you're going to chase off burrowing owls or some species of owls and you're going to have game animals that are going to go away and not come back and go extinct is absurd because when the forest fires happen, it kills the habitat and it kills the animals. So, again, environmentalism is common sense. If you want to know who the true environmentalists are in Arizona, go talk to the hunters and the anglers. Go and talk to the men and women and their families for generations that spend their time in the forests in Arizona. Those are the people that keep the herds thriving. Those are the people that want the forest pristine. Those are the people that understand what's necessary to keep a thriving um, planet And instead of listening to those common sense rules, it's always some organization that has no skin in the game, that is book smart, but not an ounce of common sense. And it just may be well-intentioned, but give me a break. We're going to get rid of gas stoves now. And all of a sudden, now the agency comes out in one day and says, no, 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 we're not banning gas stoves. As a matter of fact, one of the stories said that the new house that was or a remodel or something going on at one of the Biden residents included gas appliances. So it's just it's funny to see the reactions of people and how they react and then overreact to a story. But it was uh, it was more par for the course. We've got an interesting hour coming up just after 10 o'clock. We're going to talk about inflation and how inflation has been moderating. Um, we are also going to talk about President Biden and a second batch of documents being found at his house. This time it's getting more and more funny. Um, I would say not funny, but is more and more ironic in comparison to the screaming match that happened over Trump documents. Um, because what you're hearing now is that these were found in the president's garage. So we'll talk about it in a moment.